Good afternoon, good afternoon, high noon on a Wednesday. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory on Steelers Nation Radio. Wesley Euler with you here as always. I'll be joined momentarily by our friend Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports. You've heard him here before on the show in for Motsi today on this Wednesday afternoon where finally I'm starting to maybe shake a little bit of that bye week off feeling, that week off bye, I should say. If you're catching my drift, you know what I'm saying. You get used to a week of procuring some different topics for the show, right? Because it's not like we had an exact Steelers game to break down or an opponent to look ahead to, which is even a little bit weird now considering they don't play until Monday. It's been, uh, you know, two two different weeks here on the program on the Steelers Blitz, but finally starting to get back into that game mode, that game feel here on a Wednesday as we draw closer to the weekend. Again, Steelers ain't playing on Sunday, unfortunately, but the Miami Dolphins rolling to town on Monday night at Heinz Field. Part of what makes this start to feel like a a regular Steelers week, like getting back to business as usual, of course, is the Mike Tomlin press conference, a Tuesday tradition that uh, I guess has moved around a little bit this year with some of the Steelers' primetime games and already playing a Monday night football game in the bye week, no press conference Last week, but Mike Tomlin took to the podium yesterday at Steelers HQ on a SAS side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And of course, a lot of questions about Anthony Ciccolo, about the outside linebacker position. If the Steelers had any moves that they were thinking about making, trying to make, obviously this all around the Anthony Ciccolo situation, charged with simple assault and criminal mischief, both misdemeanors. Uh, this past weekend at Nimicolin Woodlands Resort. Tomlin, obviously, you know how these things work, would not speculate whether Chicolo would be permitted to j- rejoin the team today, when he would be permitted to rejoin the team. Still in the information gathering process, both from the Steelers' end and I'm sure from the law enforcement end of things. But obviously, press conference... Uh, a week after, especially two, no game to talk about. You know that that Chick and his status uh, and how that relates to the outside linebacker situation was certainly something uh, that Coach Tomlin was asked about yesterday. Here were some of his answers. Mike, have you spoken with Anthony Chickalos on Sunday? I have. How was that conversation? I'll leave it between he and I, and really just largely, uh, I don't have anything to say. We've released a few statements, and appropriately so. We want to do a good job of communicating with you guys. But there's not a lot for us to say or a lot that we can say pending investigations and the sensitivity of the circumstances. It's obviously something that we take very seriously, uh, but I'll just leave it at that and, and ride with the statements that we've provided you guys. Chicolo was away from the team in the practice facility when players returned on Monday from their four-day break. That's about all we got at this point. And again, that's, I think, all we should expect to have at this point. There's no exact handbook with how to deal with these things the Steelers obviously again in the the information gathering process still before they make any definitive situations but how this relates to the Steelers on the football field in an X's and O's sense is that obviously now they're going to be a a little thin at outside linebacker when you consider the absence of Chicolo, when you consider that TJ Watt is still dealing with that abdomen injury that he picked up that caused him to miss some snaps out in Los Angeles against the Chargers. 
uh, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt have rarely left the field in the first six games of the season. Bud Dupree's played 92% of the defensive snaps for the Steelers. Watt, 86, and that includes the snaps that he missed again, being bothered by that abdominal injury he suffered against the Chargers in week six. So I guess maybe the sans Chicolo now, if you will, how does Coach Tomlin feel about his depth at the outside linebacker position? Mike, uh, how are you feeling right now about your depth at the outside linebacker position? And is Ola capable for both sides? Like what comes after him? You know, I'm not feeling great, but, you know, such is life. Yep, cut and dry there from the head coach. The only other backup outside linebacker on the roster right now, aside from Anthony Ciccolo, is Ola Adani, second-year player, obviously, who's only played 38 snaps in six games. Not like he's gotten a ton of spin. Another outside linebacker, J. Ron Elliott, was waived prior to the game against the Chargers. Uh, still waiting to see if he could be brought back, if the Steelers will bring somebody else in at that position. Uh, you know... Tuzar Skipper, I know he's a guy that Steelers Nation fell in love with during the preseason. Uh, he's a guy who was uh, was cut, was waived, I should say, is the proper term, by the New York Giants on Tuesday. Could he be back in the mix? Uh, not sure. Still kind of waiting to hear here if the Steelers will roll with what they got or if they could bring in somebody else from the outside, uh, whether it be a free agent, it could be before the trade deadline this week. Uh, that was also something that Coach Tomlin was asked about. Steelers, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, uncharacteristically trading their first-round draft pick this year for the first time since the 60s, for the first time since the Beatles were still touring, the Steelers trade their first-round draft pick, go out and get Minka Fitzpatrick, also made an in-season trade to acquire Nick Vanette, the tight end from the Seattle Seahawks. Could any more trades be coming down the line? And is that something, too, we've seen kind of permeate the entire National Football League? Uh, we know trades in the National Football League historically, yes, you had some some big splash deals. You, you think of the Khalil Mack deal a few years ago. You think of uh, Laramie Tunsil and, and um, Jadavian Clowney swapping uh, teams. Those are big names this offseason. But we know historically... NFL teams aren't as active in trade markets as hockey teams, as basketball teams, as maybe even baseball teams as well, too. And when they are, it's quite often the moves that the Steelers have made throughout the years, like trading a fifth-round pick to acquire Nick Vanette, like trading a fifth-round pick to acquire Ryan Switzer. You, It's rare, at least particularly until the last year or two, that you've seen the two first-round picks for a Jalen Ramsey, the two first-round picks for a Khalil Mack. Yes, that stuff happened in the past, but it's certainly been happening more often and with more regularity, as have trades during the regular season. Is that something the Steelers are still considering? Is that something that Mike Tomlin thinks could continue to become a trend in the NFL? Mike, uh, we've seen uh, more trades in the NFL in recent years than ever before. It, are, are teams, uh, including yourself, more willing to take on guys in the middle of the season despite the challenges? Um, I can't speak for the National Football League or what's going on globally. I know that you know we're not major players in that market, and when we are, it's because probably we coveted that, that particular player in the draft. And that was pretty clear, right, when you're talking about the acquisition of Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't think it's secret to anyone. Heck, the Steelers didn't try and keep it a secret or hide it, how they felt about Minka Fitzpatrick. 
prior to the draft when he came out, and that led to them being so enticed, so intrigued, willing again to make a trade of their first-round pick for the first time since the 60s to go out and get a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick, part of which because they fell in love with him during the draft process when he was coming out of the University of Alabama about a year and a half ago. Uh, a similar thing to Nick Vanette, Coach Tomlin talked about, right? He, he's an Ohio State guy, a program that the Steelers obviously are in proximity with in terms of a, a driving radius, in terms of a pro day radius. Ohio State, a program the Steelers are very familiar with. Nick Vanette from Ohio State, he was another one. That again, uh, Coach Tomlin, it's, uh, he didn't try and dance around it. He made no bones about it. They liked Nick Vanette when they evaluated him during the process of coming out of the draft. And that's part of why they were interested in nabbing him when he became available from the Seattle Seahawks. It's a, a trend that's going to be interesting to follow in the National Football League, right? Are, are these trades, particularly in season and big time splash trades with a lot of first round picks being thrown around, is that a temporary thing? Is that going to continue? How will the Steelers go in that regard? Uh, I certainly think there's no doubt that they are happy. You could even probably say ecstatic with their acquisition of Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's been beneficial, no doubt, to that secondary man. Just looks like the glue that's finally helped it all come together along with the addition of Steven Nelson. The benefit of having Minka Fitzpatrick and having now a bye week for him obviously didn't come in until the third week of the season, midweek, out to San Francisco for a West Coast trip. I'm sure his head's been spinning a little bit, even for a guy as talented as Minka Fitzpatrick, just trying to get the playbook underneath him, living in a new city, finding a place to live, all these things that come with switching jobs and doing so in the middle of an NFL season. Is it beneficial now for the, this bye week and the way it fell and, and the team having a chance to kind of reset and 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 reevaluate some things with Minka and hopefully just a chance for him to, to get rejuvenated and maybe catch up a little bit. Mike, how much can it be beneficial for you when you have an acquired player like Minka uh, and he's played against played for the Dolphins? It depends on the player, um, not only in terms of uh, his understanding, his ability to communicate, but also the length of time spent. And, you know, that that's probably something worth mentioning in this circumstance, you know, Mika didn't spend a lot of time with those guys, man. Uh, and he also, Coach Tomlin, talked about the, the kind of one of the follow-ups to that, right, was, all right, well, now you, you feel good about having the bye week and being able to get Nick Vanette and Minka Fitzpatrick maybe reset and just let them breathe a little bit in what's been, I'm sure, a crazy couple weeks for them. Again, moving from Miami to Pittsburgh, moving from Seattle to Pittsburgh in the middle of the season. All the professional stuff that comes with that, right? Trying to learn, uh, meet your new coaches, learn the new personnel, learn the new playbook. Uh, the language, the communication language that the Steelers use, all of that in the middle of a week, in the middle of a season when you've moved again from Miami or from Seattle and, you, and you've got things going on, beneficial for those guys for sure to have the bye week. Coach Tom was also asked about, hey, you've had a, a banged up roster, right, from the quarterback position, wide receiver position, running back position, on defense, middle linebackers, corners. And we all obviously know last week the news – of just the, the devastating, unfortunate loss of Stephon Tewitt, a guy who you could certainly argue had been the Steelers' MVP, the Steelers' best player on defense. A lot of guys in that conversation, no doubt, but Tewitt definitely there amongst the, uh, the top of the pack, if you will. So does the bye week come at a right time for the Steelers in the sense of at least they have a little bit of time to, to maybe game plan for life without Stephon Tewitt? Like Tewitt goes down, how beneficial is it to have 
the bye week, just the way it was timed out, immediately after to evaluate that position and, and figure out different options to replace that? It, it really doesn't matter whether it's a bye week or no. Um, you, you know, you got to be prepared to adjust and adapt and move on and understand that the standard will remain the same. We always know that the standard is the standard here in Pittsburgh. So some updates there from Coach Tomlin yesterday. How will the team go about replacing Stephon Tuitt? How will the team go about dealing with what has suddenly become a, a pretty thin room, a pretty thin position group due to injuries and some other things at the outside linebacker position? Well, who better to ask than Chris Carter of DK on Pittsburgh Sports? You know him from his work here on the show with me and the great breakdowns that he does uh, for for DK as well, too. He will join us for the rest of the show when we come back here. We'll talk about that Steelers defense, how to how to get production in the absence of Tuit, and what's going on at the outside linebacker position as well. You can get at us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. You're inside the Electric Factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Suddenly pretty thin at the outside linebacker position are your Pittsburgh Steelers. Joining me to break everything down as he always does so well. You know his work from DK Pittsburgh Sports. You've seen him on WPXI. You've heard him on this show, on Crowley's show, on the Mark Madden show. Am I, am I forgetting any here, Chris? Uh, WPXI. You know, all, all the shows. I all said, the shows. You've seen him on WPXI. WPXI. You did say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got that, Wes. <laughs> What's happening, man? Doing great. It's a happy Wednesday here in Pittsburgh. Lots of things to talk about with the Steelers. And you were getting into it with that outside linebacker situation. Yeah, so obviously, you I mean, you know how this works. You're, you're part of the media. Uh, Coach Tomlin's press conference yesterday on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex, <laughs> uh, asked, obviously, about Anthony Ciccolo, but... Aside from the specifics of that, because, again, I said this in the first segment, there's no use in speculating. They're still in the information-gathering process. The Steelers aren't going to say anything definitive at this time, and I wouldn't want to speculate about anything definitive at this time either. Right. But we do know how that relates to the Steelers already seemingly a little bit thin outside linebacker room. They are. They are. And, and, and I mean, it, there's no seemingly about it. They got rid of yeah. Tyrone Elliott, like you said. Uh, Watt's banged up right now. He's not significantly hurt, but there's certainly a watch on him right now. And uh, you you got to protect that guy. I, I understand that you need your best players out there as much as you can. And this, it, you know, all games are must win at this point with the way the Steelers are. But you cannot jeopardize sure. putting your star edge rusher in trouble just because you wanted to you know to beat the Dolphins on Monday Night Football when you could I mean that, that's that's when you put yourself in the territory of oh he's banged up and you get a more serious injury that knocks him out not just for the season but maybe yep. next play it safe go get yourself some depth uh you know I, I know Steeler Nation's out there clamoring for Tuzar Skipper Who? Watch Tuzar Skipper uh, Watch No you must be crazy I've never heard of him before <laughs> I, I've been as soon as he was he was waived by the Giants I just saw a roar of Skipper 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 I, he could have been the number one trending thing in Pittsburgh <laughs> the way that I was I've been seeing people talk about him but he is so he he is he is so he is you know I he's he's got a 
when you looked at the pre, at the preseason, you were excited about him, and nobody's saying that he's the next James Harrison. Even though he did go to Ohio College, get undrafted, get picked up by the Steelers, then get cut by the Steelers, then cut by another team, and then he has the potential to be signed by the Steelers. I'm not saying that that's exactly what happened to James Harrison or anything, but I am saying no, the the point is he's not. We're not. No, no one's expecting him to be a, a superstar starter and to flip the whole game upside down for the Steelers' edge rushers. What they are saying, though, is they are in desperate need of a depth player that they won't have to adjust to their schemes a whole lot. He played tough. He played physical. Um, I've seen suggestions that you know they, they maybe they should you know, look with look within and try to move some of their inside linebackers. Out. No, don't do that. You know th- those guys are fine where they are. Get a guy, and you're, again, you're all you're going to be asking him is to do what you've been asking Ola to do. Right. Just take you know take take about five. Five or six snaps in the game. Jaron Elliott, you know, he had about five or six snaps in a couple games. You know, that's all you're asking uh, of Tuzar Skipper. And if it turns into something else, great. That that's awesome. Move down the line. But right now, they need depth. And as you said, they can't afford to really talk about the Chickalo situation. It's there's there's way too many things that are going to happen. Don't expect any statements or resolutions to come from that anytime soon. But as a Steelers organization, when it comes to the, their, their outside linebackers, they need help because. If Ola ends up starting in place of Watt, that means they have no one behind him, and that would be a disaster. So I totally expect, you know, Dale Lolly, you was know, the first person I saw tweet about it a day or two ago, who he said, you know, I, I fully expect the Steelers to mm-hmm. sign an outside linebacker. It just always makes sense. They go and get the guys that they know, and why not? Because Skipper is a guy that at least impressed them enough to keep on the roster. Yeah, no doubt about that. You look at the numbers. Uh, Chicolo, about 10% of all defensive plays this season. Uh, Ola, second year player, has played 38 snaps in six games. Yep. Uh, it's about six, it's a, what, 6.2 snaps per game, something like that, if my, my quick math, mental math isn't failing me. Um, another guy who's been around the team, you, you mentioned obviously Tuzar Skipper, but J. Roan Elliott, who yep. was waived uh, prior to the game against the Chargers. I wonder if he's in line to be brought back. But it does, Chris, certainly feel like, again, with the T.J. Watt situation, man, you 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 at least need another body in that room, right? Going yeah. going into Monday night. You, I, I think you, I think you might need two another other bodies. Hmm. I mean, they came into this season with five outside linebackers, and I, I expect them to, uh, to 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 continue with that. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, so that's what we're that's what we're gonna be do, the, talking about is how the Steelers. I think what ends up happening because waivers are priority, and I think they're sure. they're I think they're in like they're like around ten or eleven or twelve when it comes to waivers right now. If if Skipper clears waivers, you address him because you can get him first. Elliott's another guy that you know that, that he's been on waivers. You you get him after the fact. Now you have two guys that can supplement your defense if absolutely necessary. And let's just face it, this is a devastating season for injuries for these Pittsburgh no Steelers. Doubt. They need to be prepared for more things like this to happen. They cannot afford to be in a situation where they're asking, hey, uh, uh, you know, Devin Bush, I know you've been good over here, but we're going to have to bump you down to the edge. And they wouldn't do that. But still, that's the position you force yourself into, you know, and then you got, you know, even even a major emergency, people still remember James Harrison having to be a long snapper and he, you know, snapped the yep. ball into the in through the goalposts. Uh, so <laughs> you have to prepare for those situations. And you know, one thing I, I've always been amazed with since the early part of his career, Bud Dupree has found a very good way to, to stay healthy and stay on the field. And that availability has really increased his value. And now this year he's playing very well on top of that, but he has more snaps than TJ Watt this season. Just 
he's a, his dependability is great. But like, imagine if he goes down for some reason. Yeah. You know, for some crazy thing, and it's football. Anything can happen at any point in time, and then all of a sudden, now you're down to. You know, to, to to one backup, you need to have three. You know, you need to get two guys behind Ola right now just to please, just to be safe. Ninety-two percent of the defensive snaps Bud Dupree has played this season. Eighty-six for T.J. Watt, and that includes the snaps that he missed against the Chargers with that ab injury, which obviously knocked that number down a little bit. I wonder as it relates to the great one himself, Tuzar Skipper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was it was waived by the Giants mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, right? Yeah. On Tuesday. Yeah, on Tuesday. So I think it was uh, Kabali maybe who tweeted out that um, that the Steelers had the tenth position in 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 waiver claims. Yeah. Uh, what is the difference from their standpoint of claiming claiming a guy like Tuzar on waivers as opposed to waiting to see if he clears? Is it is it? Purely a dollar and cents move. I th- I think that's all. That's all it is. It's not. It's it. it and, and the thing is, it's not even a, a relevant dollars and cents move. It's more of like, hey, we just had to address this situation. They have the cap space to make the moves that they need to to get a guy who was undrafted and is and is waiting on waivers. Um, you know, they were able to afford him earlier this season. It's simply a matter of how they want to do it and if they want to make sure. Because here's the thing: if they wait, I, I, people forget when they when when they when they when they waived. Uh, skipper the first time, I felt like they were pretty certain that no one would touch him through the waiver process, and then they could get him back the next week, which right. is why we saw them go get J. Rowan Elliott the week after that. It wasn't a sense, oh, Skipper stinks, we're bringing in Elliott. It was a uh, this wide receiver situation's a little tough. Let's go. Oh, we we don't want to lose Johnny Holton. Let's let's get rid of Skipper. Hopefully, no one touches him, and then he'll be back in a week or two. Um, because it, it it certainly seemed like that was that 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 made that made sense of a plan. Only the Giants saw Skipper and said, "Eh, maybe we could adjust him." But Skipper's just not a four three defensive end the way that they the way that they they need him, and he's not a cover. He's not a covering three four outside. You know, he's not a covering four three outside linebacker. He's a guy that you play the three four spot. Sometimes he drops into coverage. Most of the times he's being physical at the point of attack, and he's and, he, and he's playing the playing the run or rushing the passer. And I think with if the Steelers ask him to do that. That's that. That's all. That's all it's needed. So it's not a huge investment on their part. Just a matter of get in the process. Make sure that no one jumps ahead of you, like like, like the Giants did in the waiver process last time, and then you'll be fine. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, with you here on Steelers Blitz. You can tweet us at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. I wonder too, Chris, as as we're thinking about this and talking about the the now the thin uh, thin position group at the outside linebacker position. And what the Steelers could do and who they could bring in. And, and certainly we'll be keeping an eye on that today to see if there's any news in that department. Could it be something, though, that's maybe more of a schematic change? Uh, we already know how that works, right? In the sense that you're playing your base defense less and less now in the National Football League. That's actually something Coach Tomlin was asked about yesterday. Yep. And nickel, you know, nickel corners and how almost... Uh, not almost for a long time nickel corners were almost like the sixth man of the defense you know they were like the 12th guy where now they're getting paid like starters and they're in their playing snaps like starters could it be just a schematic tweak where we see the Steelers maybe now particularly with their confidence in Bush and hopefully getting Barron back yeah. and you know what Vince Williams is capable of but particularly in the pass rush department as well too could it be a schematic change where we just see less base defense and, and and more sub packages while they wait to kind of get healthier for some reinforcements at that outside linebacker position. It it could be a situation like that. I, I think I think what you're going to see is and 
with edge guys and the way that they've drafted edge guys, they can play like the four three sort of look or the three four sort sure. of look. They, they are they are versatile. And I mean, even in in that sense, with the sub package they play with the nickels and the dimes, uh, they you know Watt and Dupree they've done that. They've been those traditional edge rushing kind of type type of big guys that you know teams like the Giants, the Falcons, or other teams traditionally use sort of like defensive ends that can also be athletic and move in space. Um, so I see that totally being a possibility, especially with it when ba- if Barrett can come back healthy, because now you're at now you're in a situation we saw they were they were using three three inside linebacker right. sets right. before. I, I think that's something they're going to consider. Um, but you know, doing that it also allows those those end guys to not have to think as much, especially when you get the skippers and the Elliots on the field. You know, you're you're, you're confident they they can at least can at least fill a role but when you're asked the way that, that that Dupree and Watt often drop into coverage or fake dropping into coverage and the chemistry that they've developed over the past few years that's not something that's just created overnight as far as and like I've talked to both Bud and TJ about how you know well you know what's it like you know trying to balance off each other it's like man's like I'm you know Bud's t- and Bud tell me the way he does it's like hey man when I rush TJ drops back when he rush I drop back <laughs> and we just talk about it we just try to make it happen and, and I, I love Bud Dupree he is he is he is always very candid about what they're doing and and uh, it's it's helped me see the game you know a little bit better when I'm watching the tape on them. But uh, with 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 Elliott Skipper, it's a lot to ask for just right now. So if you went into those three inside linebacker sets and you're confident that these guys could maybe cover and do a little bit more, mm-hmm. then you're saying, hey guys, just play like defensive ends, crash, right? Just just crash. Don't think about it. Stop. T- t- turn the run back inside or rush the quarterback or you know Bill Cowher, rush the quarterback. <laughs> Just rush. That's all I'm asking you to do. I think that's where they would go if they got to a situation where those were the only guys they were they, they could rely on. And I would certainly think, right, they're, they're what has to be confidence. I almost said renewed confidence, but I don't think that's fair because I'm sure they've always been. Confidence in Cam Sutton and his ability to stay on the field and, and, and take, a, take a nice load of snaps. Yep. And then maybe their, their confidence, not maybe on this, their confidence in Mike Hilton and his ability to be out on the field and for more snaps. And then maybe now this is the proper term, renewed confidence in Artie Burns after we saw Sunday night, after what we saw Sunday night in Los Angeles. I, I certainly, th- and, and heck, we haven't even talked about Cam Kelly, a guy that we know that they're confident putting out there on the field. I just think maybe there's some ways that they could still, quote unquote, get their best 11 football players out on the field without having to, you know, shuffle a bunch of cards at the bottom of the deck, if you will. No, yeah, I I agree. You don't need to do a whole lot. Just kind of play the situation. And again, the, the Steelers aren't in a horrible spot. They do know, and I, I do think Watt will be back soon. I, sure. I don't. Yeah, he's one. T.J. Watt's a really tough dude. Mm-hmm. He he don't let much keep him down. And uh, the, I think the only situation that he would be out is if it's a serious precaution where the training staff's like, you know. You don't need to to, to, to to risk this right now. And they are coming off a bye week and a long bye week with the Monday Night Football game. Uh, Steelers fans, I know, are stressed like, oh, man, that's two Sundays in a row. I can't have my Steelers football. But that's very good for the players, trust me, especially with the situation they're in. So I agree. They don't need to shuffle around much, too much right now. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler with you here inside the Electric Factory Steelers Blitz on SNR. When we come back here. A couple other things that Coach Tomlin talked about yesterday that I, I want to discuss with Chris. You already know we're going to have a Carter's classroom Woo! here coming up before too long. But what I want to touch on next is, is it fair to start expecting more from some of the newcomers, from some of the trade acquisitions, from some of the rookies after a bye week, now that we're 
getting more integrated, that they're getting more integrated into the Steelers' way, into the Steelers' system, playbook schematically. Is it fair to start expecting more from the new Steelers, from the newcomers? That's something Coach Tomlin touched on yesterday, and I want to get Chris's opinion as well. You can chime in on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wesley Euler, Chris Carter with you here on the Blitz, having some fun on a Wednesday and a... uh, a week that's flying by already. It really is. It's already Wednesday. It was, it, was, it was just Sunday. What are we doing here? You know what's crazy is I felt like last week went rather slowly. Oh, yeah. Just because it normally does. There's no game when to look forward to. You're right. When you have nothing to look no forward game to. game to look forward to. You know what I think it was, Wes? It was Monday Night Football being the, one of the worst games that you could imagine. That too. <laughs> I, mean, I think everyone that was certainly played into it. I, I saw so many people that were like, "You know, the Jets could put up a fight." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Watch this be a slaughter." And I mean, it was uh, as bad as the Patriots with the Steelers, but I mean, it was just uh, abysmal. And it's just another sign. It's like I, I said this on Twitter. It is a week to week league in the NFL because those same Jets beat the Cowboys, and the Cowboys were looking really tough this year, and then and then they get smoked by the Patriots in the same week that the Cowboys smoke the Eagles like who who can tell where things are going to go in the NFL at times yeah and you know what now you got me thinking uh, it's a total crapshoot in the AFC right now uh, maybe a little bit in the NFC too but I think it's more so just in the sense of there's a lot of teams in the NFC that we think are good that we think are talented that but maybe haven't necessarily separated themselves yet mm-hmm. but I mean geez you look at the NFC compared to the AFC right now and it's it certainly looks like a bit of a uh, a teeter-totter Hey, uh, what's the you know the yeah, the, yeah. the 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 seesaw? Seesaw. That's yeah, what, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm looking Teeter-totter. for. Teeter totter. I'm like teeter totter. Are you from the '40s, Wes? <laughs> what's going on here? A seesaw. You know, it's kind of the NFC's looking like it's trending up, or they a little bit more than the AFC. But you know what I think contributed to that uh that slow week last week as well too was that we had kind of been spoiled and gotten used to a couple weeks of good Thursday night football games, and then last Thursday you just got the Chiefs. You know. Eh, Having their way with the Denver Broncos and Patrick Mahomes gets hurt and yeah, so a little little uh, slow sluggish week last week during the Steelers bye week and uh, things are picking up here on a Wednesday certainly and one of the things I wanted to ask you about Chris that I teased there at the end of the last segment was something that Coach Tomlin talked about yesterday in his press conference about how it's at this point. you know, getting newcomers involved in the game plan, comfortable with the game plan on what they're being asked to do. Uh, and this relates to a lot of different, you know, you have newcomers in the sense of rookies like Devin Bush and mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. You have newcomers in the sense of guys that were brought in in free agency, like right. Steven Nelson, who's been a revelation. And then obviously you have the acquisitions of Minka Fitzpatrick and Nick Vanette that happened once the season already started. Is it fair to start expect and, and let's start with Minka and Nick Vanette. And man, 
if, if it's fair to expect more from Minka, I can only imagine what that's going to look like because he's been outstanding. Steelers trading their first-round pick for the first time since 1968. The Beatles were still touring, Carter. <laughs> the last time the Steelers... I would know that. I ran that Beatles You ran that show. breakfast. That's right. I, you know, I haven't followed up with my yeah, finding a different... Yeah, you're supposed to be finding more Chris Carter's out there. supposed to be finding there. more Chris Carter's out Well, you know, there's time during the breaks here before the show's <laughs> over. Don't, don't you worry. Um, is that fair that now that they've had a couple weeks and they've had time to I talked about this a little bit at the start of the show we think of this a lot in, ter- a lot in terms of just X's and O's right mm-hmm. and okay how long is it going to take Minka to learn the playbook and learn the communication and learn the language and what he's being asked to do and Nick Vanette how long is it going to take him to feel comfortable in the offense and what he's being asked to do but for these guys as it also relates they picked up and moved their life in the middle of a week you know, coming from Miami to Pittsburgh for Minka Fitzpatrick and everything that comes with, not just a new job, a new team, all that stuff, but finding a place to live, figuring out where you drive and how you get to Heinz Field and how you get to the South Side and where you park and, and all the people, the, the security people and everything, the new people you have to meet and your coaching staff. And, it's a and lot to consider. It's a lot coming from Miami to Pittsburgh, coming from Seattle to Pittsburgh for these guys. But now that they've had some time, now that they've got a bye week and an extra long week this week, as you mentioned, fair to start Maybe even expecting more from these guys? No, that's that's, that's definitely fair. And they, they even talked about it this week about Minka Fitzpatrick having more time to see. Because it's it's not just about learning the playbook. It's how you fit in the playbook. It's figuring out what parts of your skill sets best can mix with what your what your role is on the defense. Right. What what I, what I've seen so many times is that a player when they get into a scheme they try to they try to do what's what's asked of them or they try to do what they think they should do. Hmm. And the uh, what coaches have to do is say, hey. Forget all of the other stuff that you that that you think that you're good at. I need you to do this, and your skill sets will fill into this. And if you just listen to me, you sort of break a player in like that. Then once they get comfortable within the role, then you see them start putting their own, you know, add their own little seasonings to how the games play. Perfect example is Andy Russell back in the '70s when mm-hmm. when Chuck Knoll took over. Andy Russell was the Steelers' best player for for a few years before he got there, and then uh, and, and they were looking at his and he and he can't. He said he was brought in by Chuck Knoll on those when he first got there, and he said, you know, he's like, hey, Andy, congratulations on your awards and stuff, but I need you to stop doing that stuff because I need you to fit this exact role. And Andy Russell was like, whoa, what, what, I'd never seen that before, but it made him a better player. Player because he's playing within a scheme, and then he was allowed to do the things that he is good at, and it's sort of and it's finding those ways to to, to do those things. Minka Fitzpatrick, like everyone knows, with the Dolphins, he played slot corner, he played strong safety, he played free safety, he played sub package inside linebacker. That's a lot to ask a guy to do, and mm-hmm. he wasn't fit, fit, fitting in there with all the different things he had to do there, but. If the Steelers, you're really just asking them to switch between you're your mainly free safety, but they're asking him to just kind of come up sometimes or, or stay back sometimes. Now he's got a ch- an extra week to say, okay, let me look at the film. How do I actually look? Because there's always what you see through your face mask and how you're how you're interpreting things. But when you step back and you see that sky view, and week to week you get a chance to do that, but you don't get a chance to dive super deep into how you're doing because you, you're also you're looking at what you did, but then you're immediately sure. you're looking at the next opponent. You're saying, okay, what's what's the what's 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 Seattle do? Or well, he didn't play Seattle, but what do the Ravens do? What do the Bengals do? What do, what do the Chargers do? You know, they're, they're just week to week. You have to, that stuff comes at you fast, and it takes. A lot of time, a lot of time to adjust. Now, when you have a bye week, he has the time to adjust. Same for Nick Manette. He's got, you know, he and he got here after, after Fitzpatrick, and he's a guy. Now he's sitting here like, okay, now let me take some time. We see what I'm doing right with my blocking. We see about my routes, and it also gets him more time to sort of develop a chemistry with his quarterback, Mason Rudolph, who he's just got here with. So. Yes, absolutely. You can expect. I'm not saying that Minka Fitzpatrick's going to have three interceptions in this next game. I am saying I think you're going to see him 
be a little bit more comfortable where he's been. There's been a few times where, uh, like, the touchdown, the, the, I think it was the middle touchdown to Hunter Henry, he, he admitted, like, oh, I was just in yeah. the wrong spot yeah. there. Uh, and there were sometimes there was a, a, a breakup from Edmonds earlier in the game where Travis Benjamin ran a post route up to the middle of the field, and Fitzpatrick looked a little out of position for it, but Rivers was so committed to uh, – to Hunter Henry that it didn't matter, but it's those types of things that he's going to look at and say, okay, in this situation, I have to be here. I have to support this guy this way. And then that imp- that in- increases your chemistry as a team. All those things happen over a bye week, especially with new guys. Sure, sure, and especially guys that are acquired via trade. And the trade deadline is, is it tomorrow, the trade deadline? I know it's this week at it's some point. This, I think it, it's, it's Thursday, yeah. So I, I think thought it is I was going to say, okay, I thought it was on Thursday. Jason chimes in here on Twitter. Again, if you want to get in at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques on the Twitter.com. Jason asks uh, about a ESPN trade potential list that had Artie Burns listed and if we see the Steelers making any more moves. I have a hard time seeing that, Wes, and here's why. I look at Artie Burns and I say, you know what? It would be nice to get a return for him because I don't think they're going to be Because he's probably going to be year. gone after this year. But what just happened with the Steelers two weeks ago with the Chargers? You already had Steven Nelson out. Then Joe Hayden went out. So that forced Artie Burns and Cam Sutton outside the numbers. One more injury puts rookie Justin Lane out there. And I don't think they're ready to do that just yet. Justin Lane's still getting used to special teams. Um, and, and he said he missed his opportunity. He talked to our Hunter Homestek over at uh, DKPittsburghSports.com. He talked to him and said, man, I, I, you know, I had my shot and I just missed it when he, uh, he got called for the fair catch interference. Right. Uh, and it looked like the guy was going to fumble it anyway. So if he had just backed off just a second and not put his hand there, then he might, might have had a chance to recover a fumble and make a huge play for the Steelers. But... All that being said, I don't think they trade Artie Burns because they're not ready to put Justin Lane out there in the in 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 the first emergency situation. Now, you know, last ditch emergency, okay, they might have sure, to. Sure, sure. But Artie Burns is that level of protection at the cornerback position. Unless a team is offering like a third or a fourth, you know, then I would say, you know what, that might be worth this situ- what we're going through right now. And then you maybe you dig up a, a journeyman cornerback. Uh, on the on you know in in free agency sure. you know maybe you know I don't know if Cody Sentabaugh got signed anywhere but so, some someone that you can plug in and be like yo all we're asking you to do is if 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 worse comes to worse you're coming in as our fifth guy but I I just don't see them going through that you know because I don't think any team's gonna offer that much for Artie Burns you know yeah. you know I know that the, particularly considering that he's a pending free agent exactly so any team who would acquire him would either lose him at the end of the season or have to resign him right and I I know people are probably thinking well what about Eli Apple with how the Giants traded him to the Saints it's like ah, I just I don't think that this is the same case where Artie Burns Eli Apple has struggled in the NFL but he was also a highly targeted rookie when you know coming into his draft so there may be some people out there thinking hey we can mold him to be something that we want him to be sure and just ask him to be this Artie Burns he was a first round pick but not so much as far as a highly touted one he I think the only reason he even got in the first round was because William Jackson the third got picked by the Bengals right before the Steelers picked hmm. and had he not been he might I mean I think he would have been second round but I think the Steelers picked him because they absolutely needed a cornerback, and they had that slate, and they're like, well, we, let's just get the next best thing. Do you think what we're seeing, uh, particularly this year, and I guess it could even you could even kind of relate it back maybe to the, it started, I feel like, or maybe the the straw that broke the camel's back or the you know the the drop of water that broke the dam yeah. uh, to the big Khalil Mack splash deal from, from Oakland to, 
Chicago, but we've seen Jadavian Clowney move. We've seen Laramie Tunsil move. Now uh, Jalen Ramsey move. A lot of big names, a lot of big draft capital being thrown around. And we've also seen, hey, Minka Fitzpatrick as well too, first round pick. We've also seen a lot of, you know, guys moving for third round picks, fourth round picks, fifth round picks, second round pick. In the case of Mohamed Sanu, yeah. for an organization like the Steelers and the Patriots mm-hmm. that very rarely does that type of thing, particularly in season. Right. Is this just, you know, a, I don't want to say one off, is it just a current thing that's happening in the National Football League because there's a lot of teams right now that, that fancy themselves as contenders? Or do you think this is a start of a new trend where we could see the NFL, which has historically hasn't been as active in trade markets as the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball? Is this something that could continue? Something I think to consider here, Wes, is the fact that right now this is also an unprecedented time in the NFL for injuries and mm. for how many backup quarterbacks we've had to see step in and, 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 and play and play this way. Adam Schefter tweets about it all the time. Like, this is just this season with another, you know, another, you know Matt Bang Ryan down went down. And Breeze down. Yep, Breeze and Cam down. Newton down. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Nick Foles out for the season. I yep. mean, it's just there's a very long list of, of quarterbacks, not alone, you know, let alone other positions. Sure. I, I think that this is more of a situation where some teams are saying, look, our season's done. Let's get as much as we can to buy out of this one. Like the Lions yesterday. Like, like the, that was so bizarre. Yeah, and their players were not happy. I mean, then they shouldn't be. Their secondary's been playing very well. I, I, I just, I was like, what are you doing? I saw Darius Slay's tweet. You know, WTF? Mm-hmm. I feel you, man. Like, yeah. What, 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 what do you? Why would you mess up that chemistry? That's the best thing you got going for your team right now. Um, but. You know, some teams they they got to do it, but I mean, look at the Lions—they lost on Johnson, and now Ty Johnson's gonna have to fill from fill in for him. I think that that's a big reason why is a lot of teams are saying, you know what, this ain't the year because we lost this guy or that guy. Hmm. Let's 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 offload some guys we know we're not gonna keep long term. Get some picks, readjust moving forward. Meanwhile, you have other teams like the Patriots, like the Niners, who are undefeated and saying, look. We got to win now. We got to push. And uh, did you did you see? I thought this was very interesting. In halftime, I think it was halftime or after the game uh, for Monday Night Football. Adam Schefter suggested this might be the last year for of Tom, Tom Brady, Brady. and I, uh, for, uh, it, with the Patriots that he might go to the NFC or somewhere else after that. That just caught me. I'm like, Adam doesn't say he doesn't right. say conspiracy theories. He doesn't speculate. He, right. He he he's not Ian Rappaport who says, oh, the Steelers are gonna just uh, trade Ben Roethlisberger. You know, like, you know. Like, he when he says something, there's meat to it. And did you hear the follow up today? I didn't. Tom Brady was on WEEI Radio, Sports Radio in Boston this <gasps> morning for his weekly hit and was what? asked about it. And let's just say he didn't come right out and deny it or do this typical you would think, you know, oh, no, that's not true. I'm, I'm a New England Patriot. I'm committed. To, he gave some kind of, well, you know, I'm getting to that stage in my life where everything's a year-to-year process, and I don't know. This could be my last year. Mm-hmm. I can play another five. He didn't come out and shut it down. Right. He didn't come out. But that's the same thing. Ben didn't shut it down when people were asking him about, like, oh, I don't know, with his retirement thing. And, uh, and, and maybe it is. I I still need to see if Adam Schefter says see like that speculate that 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 dismissal from Tom that's not really a dismissal I see that kind of like that's just him just 
saying, yeah, whatever. I'm not, I could do whatever I want. I'm Tom Brady. I mean, if I retire, if I retire in the middle of this season, people would be like, what, what's going on, Tom? But he'd be like, look, I won six Super Bowls. You know, I, I could do whatever the heck I want I'm right done. now. Right. Like I can, he could quit right now. And hey, he's do that, Tom. Yeah. It, go yeah, for actually, yeah. yeah. Come quit, on, quit, Tom, Tom, do it. Tom, do it. Come on. Quit, quit right now. Retire. You <laughs> retire. You, you, you won't do it. You, you won't do it. Come on, uh, Tom Brady. We challenge you to retire right now. No one would see it coming. I'll bet you $10. You won't retire, Tom Brady. <laughs> he gets you $10. Oh wow! You think the, that moves the needle the, in his the, bank account? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's looking like he's like, huh? He's looking. He's like he's like, hey Giselle, we could get ten dollars off of Wes if I retire right now. <laughs> we better get while the getting's good. But but that but that's my point is that I just I, I think that that's just him just saying anything he wants because he is Tom Brady. But what what it was still itches is that just Adam Schefter saying that Adam Schefter wouldn't say that if, if right. he didn't if he didn't have a source that said like you know Tom really is not feeling this situation or Tom's really thinking this might be it for him mm-hmm. um, and this would this would be I mean if Tom if, if if Brady went on and he won the seventh Super Bowl this year why wouldn't you retire you're, you're going off in the sunset you you are you you you've gotten seven rings no one's ever done that you've brought your team to surpass the team that was the Steelers in Super Bowls you know why that why not feel good about that instead of risking yourself further. And again, Tom Brady, it's not like he's not going to be doing anything as soon as he's done with football. You kidding me? There's people going to be, be wanting him everywhere for TV, for radio. Oh, for like Peyton Manning. For, yeah, exactly. He'll, he'll, he'll do every commercial he ever wanted because he's Tom Brady. Um, and, uh, and on top of that, he could do shows and everything. So he's fine. I think he's just playing around with Adam Schefter saying that just, just sort of tickled uh, my, 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 my interest there with like hmm, when he says something that there's something using habits but that being said with all the things going across the league I think there's a lot of teams that just really feel like it's time to make that move it's time to get things happening um and, and, and you know it's teams that are doing fire sales I mean the Dolphins you know how often is it that, that a team fire sales the way that they have yeah Laramie Tunsil and make a Fitzpatrick I mean those are two top players that you could build franchise a franchise on and you know, and not and it's just not them. Like they were old, right? They're young uh, dudes Minkle in their rookie contract. Yeah, and Tunsil was twenty-five. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, like, why not pay those guys to stick around and say, "Look, we stink right now, but we're going to get better. We promise you." Yeah, getting rid of young talent, I've never understood in a rebuild. If if your best play, if you're trying to rebuild and your best player's thirty-two years old, right. yeah, maybe it's time to move on. From or it. even like 28, 29. Like, hey, right. you're in your prime. Let's send you. Let's ship you. Off. And but I, you're closer to the final lap of your career than you are the first lap. Exactly. But yeah, like, I, like, like if the Falcons were to trade away. Like, like if the Falcons would say, look, we stink right now. There's nothing that we can do to fix this in the next two, three years. Let's trade away Julio Jones. Get a just like a boatload right. of first-round picks. That's a good picks. example. Like, and that, that's a guy that I could see, you know, maybe not the Patriots, but some some teams, like, you know, the Raiders, even though they, they, they traded, they, they, what, they thought they were getting Antonio Brown, but some team would be like, hey, we will give you anything you want yeah. because Julio Jones would revolutionize our offense and probably give us a very good shot to make the Super Bowl. That's something I can see happening because Julio's up there. You know, he's in his prime, but he's out of his rookie contract. He's in. He's had multiple extensions. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think that that would make sense. What the Dolphins have done that changes the landscape, and that's why you saw the Steelers make a trade for the first. You know, for giving away a first first rounder for the first time uh, since 1968. I mean, that's the first time since the merger since they've had uh, any of the last three coaches. 
uh, it's it's it breaks the tradition, which is why a lot of people were frowning at it. But you see how good this guy is; it makes a lot of sense. So I think this is a very situational in the NFL right now. It's not necessarily something that will always be the case, and who knows? Maybe it is because they they are negotiating a CBA, and you also have situations like Ezekiel Elliott, who's de- who are de- who's demanded more money, and yeah. he said he said, "Hey, I, I know I got two years left in my rookie contract, but I feel like I want this money right now." And then you have people like Melvin. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he did lose out on more money with the Steelers. He got more guaranteed money, which is what he was asking for. But now we're seeing, we saw this year alone, Ezekiel Elliott doing doing that. And then you had Melvin Gordon, who really isn't even that good to be doing that. <laughs> He's the one held out. So a lot of interesting stuff there. I th- But I still think this is just a trend. From the wise words of Chris Carter, you'll get some more of those coming up next because it's 1 o'clock. That means one thing when Chris is in here. Woo! Time to go inside Carter's classroom when we return. We've also got some more tweets rolling in here that we'll get to in the next hour at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. Inside the Electric Factory, one hour down, one to go. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Wesley Euler, Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes here today on the Blitz. Having some fun, Chris, as we always do. Indeed, indeed. we always have fun. It's a, it's always a good day to laugh. You know, I... my to listen to Naughty by Nature. My, 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 <laughs> I know you like it. Come on. This is one of the top... This has got to be like top ten, like, make you dance. I don't care who you are. You know, yeah. there's like jump-off songs. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be in any crowd of people. Doesn't matter the demographics and you hit a certain song and just everybody kind of starts nodding yep. their head a little bit. Yep. This is certainly one of those one of those at the top. Underrated Pittsburgh jam, Return of the Mac. Oh yeah. My girlfriend first pointed that out to me. Like I always knew I was like, knew it was a good song, but she's like, watch this. And we were at a bar and she puts it on the jukebox. And then everybody's head starts bouncing in the in the mm. like what? And like, and she's and she's shown this to me like anywhere we've gone. She's like, wait for it, click, and then everyone starts bouncing to it. I'm like, that that seems like a Pittsburgh anthem. And it doesn't happen everywhere. And then like I was in DC once and we were talking to this DJ and he was like, why do Pittsburgh people love Return of the Mac so much? I was like, wow, that's a thing. That's a good question because I do really love that song. But I love that song because of Entourage. Ah, uh, you know what? That's a good point. I forgot the about the opening that. of the fifth season mm-hmm. is Vinny Chase on a beach yeah. and they're trying to get him to come back to LA to do movies again and that they're playing. And that sense. Return of the Mac song. Good show, too. Yeah, love that show. <laughs> On Twitter, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. we got some tweets rolling in that we will get to as the show rolls along. But now, it is time for my favorite segment whenever we have... Mr. Carter here with us on the Blitz. Whoop. If you're familiar with his work, again, DK Pittsburgh Sports, you can find him on Twitter at Carter Critiques. He does some really good breakdowns as part of his work for DK, Carter's Classroom, The War Room, a whole bunch of good stuff, the keen football eye of Christopher Carter. So you know what this means. It's time to go yes. into Carter's Classroom. Yes. 
And as always in Carter's classroom, we're breaking down the X's and O's. Let's start with the numbers, though. Today, we're focusing on Terrell Edmonds. Okay. I know, I know. Everyone's thinking, like, because you were talking about players that need to step up. People are thinking, like, well, where's Terrell Edmonds? Of all of the 15 turnovers that the Steelers have, which is the second most in the NFL, only behind the Patriots who are on a, on a historic pace. And, and they're also playing, like, all FCS teams so the, the, far this in, year. Including the Steelers? Ouch, man. No, Ouch. come on. I, I know. I, that was a joke. That was a joke. Okay, <laughs> anyways. Of all the people that have turnovers on this team, Edmonds doesn't have a single one to his name. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, and he, let's break it down. Tell me why. Number of snaps. He has the most snaps on the team, with 428 going into going into this week. He's been targeted in six games, 15 times, for 11 catches, allowing only 129 yards for only six first downs, one touchdown, and has two pass breakups. Mm. The important thing about this is to note that he's you know he's he's allowed only eleven catches, so roughly through six games, that's less than two catches a game he's he, he's allowing, and he's on there almost he's on the field ninety seven percent of the time. So that means he's there basically every play, and that means he's still not getting targeted. You know, one hundred and twenty nine yards. That's roughly twenty yards a game, twenty one yards a game, uh, and six first downs. So that means when you know in games, quarterbacks aren't picking on Terrell Evans. Why is that? Well. Let's let, let's get to that, shall we? We're going to go back and start with why I've always liked Terrell Edmonds as an addition to the Steelers. Uh, we're going back. Edmonds uh, on a third down. He's co- he's covering Tyler Lockett and man over the middle. And it's a, it's a it's a short crossing round. But what was so special about this play? So it's third down. The, the Eagles are the Eagles. The Seahawks are in the third quarter and they're pinned on their own 15. They need to get about about eight yards or so. And they, they motion Will Disley tight end inside of Lockett, which forces the Steelers to move their, their alignment around a little bit. And it for, also forces Edmonds to have to back off of Lockett because traditionally when you're in man coverage like that, you're looking at a situation where like when they when receivers bunch up that closely and these guys are lined up right next to each other, that's a that's a pick. It's coming. They're going to try and rub you off your guy and make him spring wide open. So what does do Edmonds do? He backs far off about eight to ten yards, and then as Disley kind of comes out, he tries to clear out for uh, for Lockett by running a deeper in route. Lockett just crosses a, a, does a simple drag route. It's a short cross right in front of the line of scrimmage. He's going he's going from one side to the other, and Edmonds has to avoid the traffic that Disley's created and get to Lockett. So what happens? Lockett crosses the field. Russell Wilson throws an easy pass. He catches it, but Edmonds has done all of that. He's running right with Tyler Lockett, who is their top receiver, and he makes the tackle immediately, not allowing him to get any to to, to get anywhere near the first down, and that turns into a uh, a third down stop and a punt. Those type of plays Terrell Edmonds has always been very good at. Being in position, understanding what an offense is trying to do to you to get you off your man. And his athleticism, his footwork to not get tripped up in this in those situations. I have always been, been, been impressed by that going back to his rookie season. And again, he's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. He's extremely young. To understand that that's what an offense is trying to do to you in that situation, and he did this last year as well, and be this young, that's a very good sign for a safety move. No doubt. Forward. And that's what's really important, too, is he's not just your traditional safety. You're lining him up in deep co- in, in deep half coverage, deep third coverage. You're lining up in corners. And then you're also asking him to, co- to bring man coverage over you know over the middle against top receivers and tight ends. That's a, that's a, that's a big job. Let's, let's move forward. Same game. We're looking at DK Metcalf, the only touchdown Terrell Edmonds has given up this season. I saw a lot of people that were like, oh, man, Edmonds stinks. How did he give up that touchdown? But, Wes, you saw that play just as well as I did. Mm-hmm. That was good coverage. That was just a great throw from Russell Wilson, who right now is looking like the NFL MVP, to DK Metcalf, who was just, who just who just ran sort of a, a, a fly route. But looking closer at this play, let's what, what I want to sort of, you know, just – 
pontificate about is the footwork from Terrell Edmonds. He comes out, he has to make sure he he maintains inside leverage. He's in man coverage. He can't let Metcalf cross his face. So he starts off with dropping back, and it's the quickness of him to sort of be in a balanced state. A lot of corner, a lot of safeties are or cornerbacks. They'll kind of commit too hard one way a direction, one way or another on a direction. And then when it's time, when they finally see where where the receiver's going, they're a little slow getting out the gate and uh, and bursting. But Edmonds isn't slow. He gets, he runs right. He's in the hip pocket of Metcalf. He takes away the inside look so that Russell Wilson can't throw it directly to him. He has to throw it over Edmonds, which is exactly what you're trained to do. He even turns back and, and looks for the ball and gets a handout. But the ball is just perfectly placed. There's always a saying that I've heard my coaches say a thousand times growing up. There's no defense for the perfect throw. There's not Be- because when they're when the when the when the perfect throw it means it got around the defense and that was exactly what you wanted Edmonds to do. Take away the inside look, force Wilson to make the perfect pass. He made the perfect pass, and it was a tough touchdown in the fourth quarter and a huge play that helped the Seahawks win. But that's not a play where I say, bad Terrell Edmonds, you stink right now. You need to improve. And he does need to improve. But let's get into why he needs to improve. One of the things that I've noticed about him, he has two official breakups on the season. He's had a few others that the NFL, I think, in their stat taking could have knocked as a, as a breakup. But that's another thing. We're jumping forward to another pass breakup on Tyler Lockett. Same game. Um, where he, where and again, it looked like the Seahawks were really trying to pick on him at times, and it didn't work. Same thing for went for Steven Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the one Metcalf completion, he was, you know, he was he was very solid. But here's another man situation. He's up in the box, lined up on Lockett. Lockett runs a corner route and even gets a little bit of a push off. But again, look at how. Edmonds, he's saying, hey, I'm establishing inside leverage. You can have the outside, but I'm going to close on you and make sure that this has to be a perfect throw. So when Lockett pushes off, he gets a little bit of separation, but this is where the athleticism of Terrell Edmonds comes to shine. Yeah, sure, you got that separation. Guess what? I have a, a really good burst. And so he he's able to close that gap again, and he looks up for the football. He doesn't really overcommit, and this is one thing I always love about Terrell Edmonds. He doesn't get too handsy when the ball's in the air. Now, he does struggle at finding the ball sometimes, but he doesn't panic, grab onto the receiver, and say, well, I'm just going to stop you from jumping because that's what draws the flag. Instead, he looks for the ball, turns up. He does put a hand out to feel where Lockett is, but he uses his uh, his inside hand, puts his hand up, and he does make contact with the ball, swiping it away and stopping a big play, a play that used to you know, stop, hurt the Steelers when that was Sean Davis or Mike Mitchell doing it back in the day. So big stop there, and that's where I've been very impressed with Edmonds is how they've lined him up in man coverage. There was a rep he had against Mark Andrews last year for the Ravens where, again, a tight end on a safety, that used to be a nightmare because that was Robert Golden or Mike Mitchell or someone that you weren't comfortable covering a, a, a tight end running a fly route 40 yards downfield. And he locked Mark Andrews down back then. But let's talk about another time that he jumped in, he stopped the pass to Hunter Henry in this Chargers game. And it was the same play I was talking about where Travis Benjamin breaks over the middle. This time he's not in man coverage. He's lined up, looks like deep thirds. I, I really want. I, 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 if I was at if I was at LA uh, for for this game, I would have probably I would have asked the Steelers, hey, was that cover six or cover three? Because hmm. the way that Minkup's position was kind of peculiar. But you have a situation where Hunter Henry gets motioned inside of Travis Benjamin, and uh, you got it, and then he comes out. Hunter Henry's gonna gonna run a corner route, which. Sutton's playing the outside the outside corner. He's shorter. He can't commit too hard to. He has to make sure the underneath options are taken away, especially because Melvin Gordon comes out to the flat. So this is a very good route concept by, by the Chargers because it's forcing the Steelers to consider multiple options. And Edmonds, as the, having deep thirds, he can't let anyone get behind him. So he can't be too aggressive and jump up and say, I'm just going to cover that corner route because that could be the setup for something to go behind him or f- for a double move to happen. So what happens? 
you got you got Henry going there, and by the time Henry's in his break, the ball's already out for Rivers. So if Edmund, Edmonds being in position, he sees all of this develop. Uh, Mike Hilton was trying to help in coverage there, and the ball's coming in. But Edmonds breaks on the ball from playing the deep safety position, and the ball's a little behind Henry, but Edmonds gets to it, and he knocks it away. It's a good breakup. Now, here's my biggest thing with Edmonds is that in that situation, that's where you might expect a safety to pick that off. It was a bad throw. Sure. Jump it. Catch it. You know, and, and get running. That's the one thing we haven't seen from Terrell Edmonds. He was talking to Arhan Hamastek this week at the at, at the Steelers at the at the Rooney Complex for the Steelers training facility, and he was saying, "Hey, we all know we got to improve." He said he he knows that he's part of that process, and he's hungry to get that first turnover in the season. He only had one last year, and with all the 15 turnovers that they've had this season. You'd think that he'd be part of that mix, but he knows it's coming. He's being patient. What I think is very important and has to be noted from this point moving on with Terrell Edmonds is that he has to stay committed. He can't start overselling himself sure. to get those turnovers. Keep playing within the scheme the way you are. Just trust that your hands will eventually get there and that you'll start and that you'll make one of those catches. And then it, let the game come to you in that sort of respect. Don't break what you're doing because right now, Terrell Edmonds, I have graded very well. If I was to grade his first six games, I'd give him a B. He's above average. He's playing above the line. He's doing a lot of different things that you're asking him to do, and he really hasn't had too many lapses. Uh, I'd even say to give him, the B, give him a B plus. If he, had, if he had a couple turnovers or even a turnover, that might be like an A-minus type of situation. Sure. So Terrell Edmonds... Very good right now. Steeler Nation, do not be do, do not be fretting because he doesn't have a, that big play turnover that you're that you're hoping for. You know, and that's all. We've seen how he can turn it on post can. turnover. Oh yeah, I mean he has the Jets. We we saw seen, it last we year. We saw it last. I think it's the Falcons game when he caught I it. I Think so. And yeah. He, and you and saw. I mean, he was just gone. He was gone. He was just moving. So like, yeah. It's tough. It's tough because you haven't seen that develop yet into a specific play or a big moment where all of Heinz Field is losing their mind. But it's coming. And I really think, especially when you're not asking him to be the turnover machine, now you got Devin Bush, now you got Minka Fitzpatrick, he doesn't feel the need to overcommit and oversell and give up his responsibilities, which is huge moving forward. But Terrell Edmonds, a solid soldier for the Steelers. Look at my alliteration, solid soldier Steelers. Bam! Love it. Love it. it I think, too, Minka Fitzpatrick has been a godsend in that regard. Oh, absolutely. Edmonds just looks so much more comfortable, so mm -hmm. much more trustworthy in right. his partner. And you only expect that to continue now that they've only played, what, four games together? You expect that to continue, that relationship to gel and that chemistry to get better. And I mean, it could be legit another decade before we're talking about the Steelers needing to go out and get another safety with, with those two both being yeah. just in their second season. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could be eight, nine, ten years together. Could be... Uh, one of the most successful safety partnerships in Steelers history by the time it's all said and done because this talent's quite certainly a few there. Really good ones. Yeah. Ryan Clark and Troy Polamalu, mm -hmm. Donnie Schell and Mike Wagner. Mm -hmm. Again, they've had some Carnell Lake and Darren Perry. I know those don't get rings, but they were still fun to watch. Man, that would be really exciting, wouldn't it? The talent is certainly there. And again, what, 22, 23 years old in their second season, you yeah. think that arrow is certainly still pointed up. All right. Thank you. Is that that's all? That's all for today's that, lecture. That, 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 that's all. That, that's pencils, all we're pencils, doing. Pencils, on, pencils, down. pencils down, everyone. Be sure to do your homework because next time when I'm coming at you with Carter's classroom, there's going to be even more work to do. I love it. I love it. Thanks as always, partner. Again, it, you could find his work at DK Pittsburgh Sports. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Carter. For maybe those of you who are unfamiliar or haven't heard some of the previous shows we've done with Chris, always great stuff there. When we go into his classroom, when we come back, oh, it's Wesley's time to shine. Yeah, it's a Wednesday.
That means it's a best of the West Wednesday. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Our NFL hierarchy and see what Chris thinks about my top 10 NFL teams when we return. You can also get at us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. Best of the West Wednesday up next inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. My name is Wesley Euler. <laughs> I won't get you with that one this week. And this is <laughs> this is my segment right here on a Wednesday. Those of you familiar, you know what's going on. Get it, Wes. The best of the Wes Wednesday. And hey, maybe we picked up some new audience today with you, you know, with you and your extensive reach. But you're like an influencer <laughs> out here. I mean, I, you know, I should be paying you extra on the side to come on the show here. Um <laughs> Best of the West Wednesday. Uh, I used to call it the NFL hierarchy last year, right? Yeah. And then I had someone tweet me that was like, oh, you just stole that idea from Colin Cowherd because he does the herd hierarchy. And I said, all right, fine. I'm going to come up with a new name. Yeah. And Joe Rokicki, producer of the DVE Morning Show, you know, great producer that Mm -hmm. he is. Mm -hmm. We were in this exact room where you and I are right now talking about it. And I was telling him, I was like... I gotta come up with a new name here, man. I can't keep using the I can't keep using the the hierarchy thing because people think it's a Colin Cowherd term. So Joe, yeah, because like, he because like, he termed so hierarchy. Joe goes, how about best of the West? How about say yes to the West? Yes. He's coming up with all these <laughs> names. So we stuck with best of the West. Here's what it is: it's the top ten teams in the National Football League, and I usually give you my next two out, if you will, mm-hmm. make it make it a dozen or a baker's dozen or so. But this is meant to be, and Moats gets on me for this all the time. This is meant to be hyperbolic, right? Hyperbolic. So, for example, when Drew Brees went down, right, I moved the Saints far down my list because I, I'm not projecting this list for uh, I'm not projecting this list for the end of the season, right? And real quick here, thank you for pointing this out to me. Big development for Patrick Mahomes. Less than a week after his knee injury, the Chiefs quarterback is expected to throw at practice today. So I didn't move the Chiefs that far down on my list. So maybe this is a good thing. <laughs> So this is supposed to be hyperbolic, right? So I know a lot of people will be like, oh, what are you talking about? This team there and that team there. It's a hyperbolic week to week, right? This isn't how I'm projecting these teams to be in January mm-hmm. when it's playoff time. This is right now at this moment. Yeah. Number one's the New England Patriots. I mean, I mean what, who else are you going to put there? I mean, geez, Louise. I'm getting sick of having these guys at number Wes, one. But you couldn't put the Steelers at number one? I'm just, I, yeah, I thought about putting, putting the Bengals up there, but you know, <laughs> they just couldn't pull it out right. last week. <laughs> I've got the Patriots at number one. It pains me. Um, but I you got to. But I have to. I don't think they're necessarily the world beaters that we've seen, right. like that, that they look on paper mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. when you consider some of their opponents, but... They're killing folks. They're undefeated. One of only two undefeated teams in the National Football League. Uh, I think I'd just I'd be too much of a Patriots hater if I had them anywhere other than one. I think probably even the biggest Patriots haters can agree with me. Number two, who that? New Orleans. Yeah, who that? Exactly. The oh, wow. I was just saying who that. Like the same. Like wow. <laughs> I like I said when Drew Brees got hurt, I dropped them way down on my list. They were maybe nine or ten. They were getting close to outside the top ten. But what they've been able to do in the absence of Brees against some good teams, has been very impressive. They went to Seattle. 
yeah. and beat that team without Drew Brees. Yep. They went to Chicago mm-hmm. and say what you want about their quarterback situation. But that was their defense. Woof. They, yeah. they scored 36 points, Teddy Bridgewater and company, in Chicago against the Monsters of the Midway. That, that was really impressive. And, and, man, that's a very good point. The Saints, they are scary. They're yeah. undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater. And, and I think you know this. I'm not sure. I know our listeners do if you've listened to the show for more than 15 minutes. I'm the president of the Sean Payton Haters Club. <laughs> you, but, you have made that clear but I but I have to give him credit for what he's done this season has been very impressive even in the absence of Alvin Kamara as well yeah, last week so you could argue they're two I mean maybe Michael Thomas is in this conversation too obviously but they're two biggest pieces on offense Breeze mm-hmm. and Kamara out last week they still put up thirty six Jerome Bettis yeah. on the Bears speaking of the Bears in, the Bears. in Chicago uh, impressive I've got them at number two number three I've had them high all year and I'm finally feeling vindicated. You know, on this show, Arthur Motes likes to call a lot of people my boys. He calls Carson Wentz my boy. He calls the Eagles my boy. He calls Tom Brady my boy. He calls Sean Payton my boy. Oh, okay. I got you. I I only have one boy outside of Pittsburgh, and it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, A-Rod. A-Ron. And we talked a lot about how, man, so far this year, it's been great for the Packers, except for you'd like to see a little bit more from Aaron Rodgers, a conversation we never thought we'd have related to the Packers. Well, you saw it this past week. Six touchdowns, five through the air, 429 yards passing, all without Devontae Adams. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers needs to throw five touchdowns for 400 yards every single week. But But if he's 80-90% of that going forward the rest of the season, if him and Matt LaFleur really look like they're getting on the same page. Did you see the clip of... Aaron Rodgers saying, "Hey, I want. I'm. I'm. I'm feeling five touchdowns today." Matt Lafleur said, "I want six. And then he went and got six touchdowns. That's so crazy. I. I. Listen. I get it. He beat the Steelers in a Super Bowl. I know that 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 still stings. But I really like Aaron Rodgers. I always have. Until Patrick Mahomes came around, I would have said he's probably the most naturally gifted quarterback I've ever seen. I think he gets a lot of flack." Not that I'm going to say he didn't deserve in the past, but that other quarterbacks have kind of skated by some of the same stuff. <clears throat> Drew Brees. <clears throat> I, I've, <laughs> I, I, I've got faith in Aaron Rodgers. I've had Green Bay in my top seven, I think, all season, even when he wasn't playing so hot, even after they lost to the Eagles at home. I've got Green Bay at number three right now. I almost had him at number two, but again, hyperbolic. The Saints still rolling without Drew Brees. I've got the Packers number three. Number four, the other undefeated team in the National Football League. The 49ers. Yeah. I still got questions about Jimmy G. He's like a roller coaster, man. Sometimes he looks really good. Sometimes he's like, eh, what are you doing? Right. But they're undefeated. And with that defense, that defense and that run it. game, yep. and they just went out and added Emmanuel Sanders, which our old very, friend Manny Sanders, which is very interesting. ahead of the deadline. I think he'll be a nice uh, he'll be a nice punch. He'll be a nice splash yeah. for uh for that offense. Which is interesting because they really haven't used their receivers. You know, right. and maybe that maybe and I, I haven't studied the Niners enough to know whether or not their receivers are getting open consistently. But I mean, you drafted Debo Samuels, Dante Pettis was supposed to step in there. I know you got Kittle, but adding Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he, I think if he if if he doesn't start getting numbers with them, then I'm looking at Jimmy G and saying, mm-hmm. hey man, what's going on? Now, granted, again, they haven't lost a game yet, so that's a huge right. part of why you can't get on Jimmy G just yet. But that's been a been big part because their front four is unstoppable. Unstoppable. Their man. their defense behind so them has good. been very solid. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, the uh, and the running backs have done a very good job with every opportunity they've been given. So uh, and, and Jimmy G has made plays. He did throw the game winning touchdown against the Steelers. Uh, you know, back in back in week three. So. A lot of good things there, so I think you're very you're you're very on track to have them in your top four. Uh, I know some people are probably like, well, wait a minute, why did you put them below the two one loss teams? But like you said, hyperbolic, hyperbolic, and 
I've got more faith in New Orleans and Green Bay sustaining that if other factors. Again, New Orleans has been sustaining that without their quarterback. Green Bay wasn't getting great quarterback play. I know you could say the same thing about the Niners, but at least New Orleans and Green Bay have quarterbacks and teams who have played in Super Bowls, played in NFC Championship games, as to where the Niners, and yes, Kyle Shanahan was there with the Falcons, uh, still have a lot of guys who are wet behind the ears, if you will, in that regard. And I've got them at number four, but still still pretty respectful there. And you'll see here is kind of the NFC theme continuing. But I will say this, Mr. Carter. What's up? I'm very confident in my top four. And now it's been a bit of a crap. After I got, once, I, once I got the five here, I've had some difficulty. Yeah, I understand that. All right, again, hyperbolic. Keep that in mind. This is a week-to-week thing. And I know if Moats were sitting in your chair, he would crush me for this team that I have at number five. Don't it's, say the Eagles. No, 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 okay, no, no. I was, no. I, I, was, was going to say that. I'm, okay, now I'm, you're over I'm, the top. I'm out on the Eagles. Moats and I had that conversation on Monday. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. It was clearly Frank Reich who was the reason for all their success. Frank Reich. And John Filippo, yeah, who's the yeah. offensive coordinator for the team that I have at number five. Oh, man, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me in the butt. Don't you... I got the Minnesota Vikings at number five. Right oh, okay. Now. That's not, okay. That's not, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. I thought you were going to say the Ravens. I'm like, now you're no, asking for no, Steeler no, no, Nation no, no, to come no, no, and no, destroy different, you. Different purple team. Different purple team. I man, I still don't really believe in Kirk Cousins, but I believe in the rest of that team and the roster and the coaching staff. And if Kirk Cousins, what he's done the last three weeks, again, if he can be 90 percent of that with Dalvin Cook, with Thielen, with Diggs, with that defense, they're in a really tough division. They are, but they're going to be in that conversation once the playoffs roll around of, of teams I think that could be a really tough out they might come back to bite me in the butt I'm, I'm admitting that but I've got the Vikings at number 5 right now no that makes perfect Moats would crush me if he was sitting in your seat he, you got Kirk Cousins at number 5 <laughs> But that make but but listen, that's actually very reasonable. And I mean, I'd say right now, it looks the past two weeks, the past few weeks, you know, Stephon Day calling out Kirk Cousins. All of a sudden, him and Adam Thielen saying you got to step it up. And then all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins step. Zach Brown challenged Kirk Cousins. All of a sudden, Kirk Cousins like Zach like, Brown's on the unemployment line. Right, and now and that ain't that crazy. You talk smack about that guy, and then he sent you. That's that's a Kirk Cousins. Like do we gotta you like that? Like you know he was saying like that, that back when Washington. But you yeah, vike that. You vike that. That that uh, there you go, Wes. That's good radio right there. But yeah, five and two. Can't deny what they're doing. I still like their defense. Uh, they got talent across the board, and uh, I, I do feel you in the sense that there's there's another team that I have at five and two that would have been my five team. But go ahead with your Seahawks. Nope. Okay, because I've got the Seahawks at number six. That's fair. Uh, what the Ravens did to them in their own barn gave me some pause this past week. But I will say this: they lost that game by fourteen points, right? Yeah. Which on the surface looks like wow, the Ravens went in there in Seattle and won by two scores. Yeah. Pick six touchdown for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Scoop six touchdown Scoop for the Ravens. Uh, yeah. this, that's very uncharacteristic of Seattle. Yep. Russell Wilson, the pick six, mm-hmm. very uncharacteristic. I mean, in his last 20-some games, he had thrown like almost 50 touchdowns and four interceptions. Right. I, I think that that was a bit of a one-off from Seattle. I still think Russell Wilson is playing just as well as anybody in the National Football League right now. The Ravens had a really good game. They had a really good game plan. They got splashed from their defense. Mm-hmm. And from the guy that they went and got, Marcus Peters, who played Russell Wilson a lot because he was in the Mm -hmm. NFC West just now, that made a lot of sense. Good timing for the Ravens. Yeah. Don't worry. They're on my list here, the Ravens. We'll get to them eventually. But again, Seahawks at six. It's seven. I'll get back into the AFC here. Splitting hairs with seven and eight. You'll see who eight is. But number seven, I've got the team who beat number eight. I got the Chiefs. Okay. 
And I know, again, hyperbolic, you'd think with Mahomes out, but I still don't know if I could drop him down much lower than that. Yes, they've got questions on defense, but you saw uh, when Moore had to come into the game for Mahomes yeah. against the Broncos. They've still got weapons. They've still got ways to move the ball. Mm-hmm. And from the news you just broke to me, looks like good news for Mahomes. He could be back sooner rather than later. I got the Chiefs at seven. That's fair. Number eight, I got the Ravens, the other purple team. I'm shaking my head right now. It's tough, man. And listen, I've been sitting here for weeks saying, yeah, don't worry. The Ravens are frauds. You know, they're, 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 their schedule gets much more difficult. But they're 5-2. and two. I know They're playing very well. I, I, I say that because there's a team that you have not mentioned yet that I would have put put up in this okay. ranks. I'm getting, I'm getting there. Don't worry about it. I got the Ravens at 8. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I, <laughs> What's your I, opinion on Lamar Jackson? People say he's a running back. People say he can't throw. No, I, 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 I think th- that's too far. I think it's pretty clear that he's a starting quarterback in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you this right now. Again, a couple of weeks ago, if you would have asked me, is he closer to a top 12 quarterback in the league or a bottom 12 quarterback in the league, I would have said bottom 12. Now I'm probably leaning the other way. Yeah, okay. Um, a lot of questions about his health and if it can be sustained, which are fair questions. Mm-hmm. But he's played the same style of quarterback since 2015 when he started at Louisville yeah, and hasn't been, missed a game. He's been fine. He knows and, how to protect himself. I, I give him very credit for that. Thirteen and four as an NFL starter. That's pretty good. That's pretty and on, darn on a good. team on a team without many weapons. I mean, who's his top receiver? Hollywood Brown, a rookie? a rookie. Yeah. And Mark Andrews. And I mean, the running his running back is Mark Ingram, who is good, but he's no he's no he's not a top five back. He's not he's not you know you know McCaffrey or Zeke or Barkley. He's he's working with a guy that's a that's a solid, but he's not even Kamara who Ingram got bounced for. So I give a whole lot of credit. Were they the to team Lamar that Jackson. you were saying you would have had higher? No, you still haven't said that. I name. think okay. I think I know who you're talking about. I've got the Ravens at eight, and a big one. All of Steeler Nation, all the eyes of the NFL will be watching Sunday night when the Ravens host the Patriots, and that'll be one of those right. Whoever wins that game is legit bona fide Super Bowl contender. Whoever loses is an overrated front. <laughs> of course, that's can't, exactly what's going to happen. I can't wait. Can't wait for that narrative on Monday. That Monday, will, that Monday will be fun. Number nine. The Houston Texans. I know that's crazy. They just went to Indy and lost. I know. I just literally fell out my chair. But I got a lot of faith in the Colts and in Frank oh, yeah. Reich. They're actually my number 11 team on this list. They're, they're at, number. They don't even make your top 10. They're number 11. They went on the road and beat not just the Texans, but the Chiefs with a healthy Patrick Mahomes. And you're coming in and saying they're not in your top 10? This ain't the best of the West. This is a... I can't even come up with another rhyme right now. This is the, this is the worst of the West. Come on, Wes. How are they not in your top 10? Oh, I'm number dis- 11. I'm eh? disgusting. <laughs> number 11. Eh? But no, hey, they get Darius Leonard back. Uh, I think they're only going to improve. I think Frank Reich is arguably, you know, along with Belichick, the best coach in the National Football League. Certainly in, in, right there in the argument for number two, in my opinion, with some other names as well, too, obviously. But number 10, I've got the Buffalo Bills. That's fair. They're 5-1. and one. I, I still don't know how legit they are at 5-1, and one, but I do know they have an inside track now to make the playoffs, yep. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Certainly a wild card. Um, I do believe in that defense. I think, similar to kind of Lamar Jackson, I still think Josh Allen, like Lamar Jackson, like like Sam Darnold, like, they have another level that they can get to. There's yep. still a lot of potential there. There's a lot of juice there that can be squeezed, where I don't necessarily feel the same about Baker Mayfield, where mm-hmm. I think Lincoln Riley squeezed all the potential out of that guy for two years. Oh, listen. Sam Darnold was caught on the sidelines saying, I'm seeing ghosts. And I saw an interesting thread there talking about how the NFL has a representative that has to approve when when certain things yes. on the microphone yes. are, are let out. And Le'Veon Bell came out and said it was wrong for them to, to do that to Sam Darnold and uh, say, saying that, like, you know, that whoever approved of that shouldn't have done it. 
and because they protected other players who have said really bad things on the on the sidelines, and why wouldn't you protect this young quarterback? But when he said, I'm seeing ghosts, Sam Darnold saying that, I get it. It's the Jets. You know, Imagine Baker Mayfield. What is he going to say if he's mic'd up for, for when they play the Patriots and how he's been throwing interceptions left and right? He's going to be seeing ghosts and ghouls and goblins and demons and just everything. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Like, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, that's a quick aside there, but I'm totally with you on that one. I've got the Bills at 10, right? And then my Baker's dozen here. Colts 11, Rams 12, Cowboys 13. You got the Rams above the Cowboys. That's interesting. Because... Again, of the hyperbolic, and I know that the Cowboys just beat the brakes off of the Eagles. They beat the tar out of those dudes. But I think the Rams have a uh, man. Jalen Ramsey could change that defense. Yeah, I, believe, I forgot about Ramsey. That's I, a very good point. I, I believe in their coaching staff in LA a lot more than I believe in the coaching staff in Dallas. You mean uh, Captain Clap? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Jason Garrett. The Cowboys are one of those teams. I think I've had them as high as like six or seven on this list. I've had them down low. They're a very week to week team. They are. I will say too. I think the Rams of all the teams on this list. Besides, maybe the Colts are in this discussion too. Have the the best possibility of upward mobility, like the Rams rattle off a couple wins here, and Jalen mm, Ramsey continues to look true. like he did on Sunday. Yeah, they'll it, challenging they'll, Julio. They'll be they'll be in the top top ten here I before just, too long. The reason I'm high on the Colts is because Jacoby Brissett is playing very very good well football. Then you still got a running back in Marlon Mack. You still got T. Y. Hilton, Chester Rogers coming through. They had Zach Pascal, who nobody knew about coming into this week, had two touchdowns and over 100 yards. Then on the defensive side, you brought up Darius Leonard, but guess who's coming through right now for them? Justin Houston, mm-hmm. really stepping out on the edge. And then they get Malik Hooker back at soon, like. Newcastle zone. They, Western exactly. PA stand up. And, and maybe that's part of my bias is that I like seeing Western PA do oh, I love do, Malik do well. But man, I just look at that and I'm just saying like they and again they have two they they I think they have the two most impressive road wins I've seen this season. Uh, you know at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and at Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Th- those are two playoff teams. Those are two of my top teams. They beat them both on the road. I got to give them credit and and that makes me say like man. You know, do the with the Colts and the Texans battling out for the AFC South? Is that going to be the new rivalry for the next few years? Maybe. And those those two teams have been right in the mix for that that division for a long time. You look at the Colts' upcoming schedule. They host the Broncos this weekend. Then they're here in Pittsburgh, and then they host the Dolphins. Man, they win two of those three. They're in really good shape. They win all three of those. Oof. Cool. Uh, you're right. That could be. It's hard for me to envision, and I've had this conversation, and we can get into this more when we come back, actually. Right now, man, I thought eight wins could get you a wild card in the AFC. Well, a week or two ago, I thought eight wins could get you a wild card in the AFC. When I'm looking at how the Colts are playing in the Texans, that's going to be tough. When I'm looking at the Patriots and the Bills, that's going to be tough. Let's get into that more. We're up against it here. But when we come back and wrap up the show, let's look a little bit at that playoff picture, uh, how this relates to the Ravens, the Steelers, the division, everything else going on in the AFC. If you want to get in on my best of the West, tell me if I was an idiot or if I was correct. You can find us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. We'll do a a little look around the division and the conference when we return right here inside the electric factory at Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. (laughs) 
All right, Mr. Carter. You know, usually you're the one here who's uh, who's given the lessons and the facts and the the lecture points, there if you go. will. Maybe that's the word that I'm looking for. I've got some numbers for you. Give me the numbers. In the current structure of the NFL playoff format, right? Yes. So six teams from the AFC, six teams from the NFC, uh-huh. four division winners in each, two wild cards in each, top two seeds get a bye. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Under the current playoff format of the National Football League, there has never been a 9-7 and seven team that won the AFC North. Really? Maybe I was naive. There's never been a single-digit team to win the AFC North under the current playoff format. Very interesting. Maybe I was naive to think that that could happen this year. But maybe I was even more naive to think that an 8-8 eight and eight team could make a wild card because that has also never happened in the AFC. Only in the NFC. Under the current format. The Steelers were close. Yeah. If Suckup could have just hit a dang field goal. Hit a doggone field goal. But never an 8-8 eight and eight team has made a wild card. Again, in the current playoff format. Huh. Never a single-digit team has won the AFC North current playoff format. Interesting. Are they the only division like that? You know? That's a good question. Um, uh, you know what? I bet you uh, Patriots division is probably the same because they yeah, win it with like 13 they win- wins every single year. Right, but I, uh, but see, that's the thing. I remember like in this format. This format's been going for what? Since like at least the 90s? I was going to say mid-90s. I mid-90s, yeah. I think that's what, So, obviously, uh, well before Brady and Belichick got there. Right. So, I, I can see that happening back in the days when, you know, you had Marino in, in, you know, in his final years, and you had the Jets with Vinny Testaverde and all those types of things. So, I, I can see that happening there. But that's a very interesting stat. Um, and for all of you that say the AFC North, they're struggling right now, but they've always found a way to be competitive. They have. They have. There's no doubt about that. It seems like every year, at least for the last decade-plus there's been an AFC North team that really had an opportunity to make some noise. It's It's been majority the Steelers and the Ravens. There were a couple years there where the Bengals were a 12-13 win team as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Never before has a single-digit team won the AFC North. Again, under the current playoff format, same with an 8-8 eight and eight team making a wild card. So I ask yeah. you, which of those two would be more likely this year? 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7? Nine and seven wins the AFC North. Yeah, or, or eight, eight and eight, eight makes a wild card in the. I'm AFC. I'm going to say nine and seven wins the AFC North. I I know everyone was like, oh man, the Seahawks with this with a one chance at the Ravens. They still got to play the Niners. They still got to play the Patriots. They still got to play the Browns, who who whooped them. I mean, Molly whooped them. They still to play the Texans. They still got to play the Texans, and they got to play the Steelers again. Mm-hmm. Um, last week of the season, that, that one could that, be a dandy. That that's getting flexed. I don't care. That, 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 if, Stop! Don't say that. that gets, I'm just telling you, you man. Know what that means? Yeah, that means we're going to be up until. Oh. Five in the morning. Oh, stop it! I'm sorry, but it's gonna happen. The only way it doesn't happen is if the Steelers fall fall too far out, out of the race and they can't catch them in, in Week 17. So you got to say stop saying that. You got to say say that because that well, means you know what means I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look at it as a win win situation. There you go. Either the Steelers are playing for their playoff lives, or you're, or, or or you're not ha- working, or I'm getting some sleep on a Sunday. I, I mean, s- either way. <laughs> I said that in the press box after they after the the Ravens beat the Browns after in in Week 17 last year. I was sitting there. And uh, and I was talking to Mark Caboli, and I was like, because I, I had this one, I was invited to a wedding with my girlfriend in Thailand, and it, but it was in it was in like in late January, so I'm like, I can't commit to that ahead of time because you know what if the playoffs are going, I can't do I can't do that. And then as soon as the Ravens won, I was like, 
book. You know, I was like, I'm out here, y'all. And Mark Bowley's like, what's, what's going on with you? I was like, I'm going to Thailand. Like, you know, how, like, like some some coaches, they go to the Pro Bowl. I go to Thailand. There we go. We got about two, three minutes left here. Uh, yeah. Thrash Metal Guy tweets, if the Steelers were 5-1 and one instead of 2-4, and four, would they crack the best of the West? Heck, yeah, of they Of course, would. yeah, five, but 5-1, five and one, that, that's, come on. That, uh, that, he adds, like you and the body say, good defense travels well all year. And you're absolutely right, Thrash Metal Guy. And I'll tell you this. If two weeks from now we're sitting here on Best of the West Wednesday and the Steelers beat the Dolphins mm-hmm. and they beat the Colts and yeah. they're at four and four, that's huge. They might be on the back end of my list, yeah, because I think that defense is going to be outstanding all season long. Like mm-hmm. you said, defense travels well all year, particularly when you get into November and December. But again, hyperbolic. I mean, I had the five and one Bills at number ten at the back of my list. Uh, you know, I. I but again, Steelers could certainly start to creep up there if we, with some wins these next couple weeks, and uh, that defense would absolutely be a part of it. All right, any chance eight and eight wild card? We we got about ninety seconds left here. Any chance an eight and eight wild card? I just don't see it happening with the with the Colts and the Texans and, and with the and Patriots the and the Bills, right? Yeah, Say what just, you will yeah. about how legit the Bills are, but at five and one right now, yeah. They got to play 500 football the rest of the year, and they're a slam dunk to make a wild card. They they need to win four more games the rest of the year, and nine and seven would probably get them a wild card. Yeah, they got ten games. So if they even if they go four and six in their last ten games, they're they they they, I think I think they're going to be fine. They're and and like you said, good defense travels well. That Bills team has a good defense. Mm -hmm. Look at Tre'Davious White playing a cornerback. And the Ravens have to go to Buffalo in early December. That's another one right before actually Buffalo comes here. Yeah. So hopefully those teams will beat the crap out of each other in the cold. (laughs) Yeah, and they'll just be they'll just be hurt for two weeks. Partner, it was a lot of fun as always. Same here, man. Hey, why do you say we do it again? Yeah, let's do it again. Friday work for you? Friday works for me. All right. Woo! Sounds good. We'll go back into Carter's Friday. classroom on Friday, which means Carter will be part of Show Me the Money. Show Me the Money! We'll see how his pick'em chops are. I mean, no pressure, but Moats and I both have outstanding. We're, we're both like eight or nine picks over 500 here through seven weeks, so no pressure. Moats, Moats will be back tomorrow. You know what we might have to do is because Moats is heading out of town on Friday because he's calling the JMU game on oh, Saturday. Cool. Uh, he's doing the color commentary for the JMU game nice. on Saturday. Maybe we'll have to have him call in from the road and we'll do a little three way show me Ooh, the money I pick like them on that, Friday. Like like uh, but Moats will be back tomorrow and then Carter in with me on Friday. So we'll talk the Yins tomorrow. You already know. Same time, same place. It's Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.